When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The band is back together. David Jones, Bob Flounders, Blue White Breakdown. It's West Virginia week. And Dave Jones, haven't talked to you in a while, but I do believe you were at the last Penn State West Virginia game. It was a road game in 92, but it's been it's been a while. It's been a minute since they've played. It was an Indian summer evening. It was a 3.30 <laughs> start, I believe. And my lasting memory of that day, I yeah. think I told you this before, uh, in lovely Oregon drive. It's a lovely drive to 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 that area of the country, isn't it? It's it's. Uh, I think we did sixty eight. Yeah, and I remember listening to the World Series coming back with Ronnie and um, mm-hmm. and uh, John 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 from Allentown. John uh, Kunda. 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 John Kunda. Yeah. I grew up reading that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Who had the voice like this? Yeah, my, my lasting memory of that day is I really, I'm not kidding. I'm not exaggerating here. Mm-hmm. I killed 100 flies in the press box. <laughs> True. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Three, three hours plus, I, I, I just whacked them. And they were, they were like a pile of carcasses <laughs> next to the window. But, you know, West Virginia. What, what uh, any, is there any is there any in-game memory you can share with the Penn State fans? <laughs> I went back and watched it. I went back and watched the video. Yeah, the hell of it. It was one of those Raycom games. I'm pretty sure. Was one of the Sackers involved, or who was the quarterback? I don't remember a damn thing. It was Kerry Collins's first start. Forty to twenty-six. Yeah, and it was twenty-six twenty-six late. Yeah. Um, the big play of the game was a pass, a 67-yard touchdown pass on a tight end screen <laughs> to Steelton's own Troy Drayton. Troy Drayton, nice. Yes. Ah, good player. Yeah, a, yeah. A, a guy that gets overlooked when you talk about Penn State. Oh, yeah. Players. He was terrific a good guy, player. too. I mean, name yep. a Steelton guy who isn't a terrific guy, actually. Yep. It's one of my favorite places in uh Yeah, he played a lot. He played a long time in the NFL, played played well at Penn State. Good dude. Uh, so yeah. Hey, uh, speaking of speaking of Kerry Collins, Penn State's going to be breaking in a quarterback that physically probably uh, is is a pretty similar to Kerry. Yeah, come to think of it, he is. Um, that was a dosy doe all year. It was a bad season. Yeah. Paterno. It was seven and five, I believe. Yeah, is where they finished. That was an eleven-game season back then. And they could not really figure out what they wanted to do at quarterback. John Saka ended up starting the next season when they were in the Big Ten. Uh, but early that season, they lost to Miami at home with Saka. That was yeah. That was uh, and and yeah, Michael Barrow was in there. That was the last time it was in a locker room. Yeah, I think Miami ended up playing in the national championship and got waxed. I'm sorry, Gino Toretta, the quarterback. Yeah, ninety-two. Yeah, uh, they they lost to Alabama, didn't they? Yeah, I think they lost real bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
And uh, who was the uh, the Cowboys' former D coordinator? He was the Juan. He was, well, it was Jimmy Johnson and wants was was it Jimmy Johnson coaching the team? No, no. Uh, I'm talking about Alabama. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, Gene Stallings. Gene Stallings, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, didn't wasn't he the DC of Dallas? Uh, he was like the secondary coach for, under Landry for a long time. Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, um, and everyone forgets about Gene Stallings. He won him a national title. Yeah, Bama. Well, he was they, so understated, Dave. He didn't say much. You no. know, he just kept to himself. Just uh, they, like a real, real quiet guy. They weren't, you know, they weren't very good back then. Out, out of, out in the middle of nowhere. And Penn State kind of languished all year, and they didn't know what they wanted to do with quarterback. And yeah, late, I think the next week we went to Brigham Young, which was such a strange trip. And Brigham Young is known for throwing the ball, and they ran the ball. They ran, ran, ran the ball, which I thought was really interesting because it's the kind of thing that West Virginia has, has kind of a, a, a parallel with this West Virginia team. This is, this is an air raid offense. It always has been under Neil Brown. Yeah. And it just wasn't going anywhere the middle of last season. He started running the ball. Uh, West Virginia, yep. under a couple of coaches now, has been known because they're Mike Leach protégés. Yeah. Uh, for for throwing the ball over a lot with the the air raid, Dana Holgerson before that. And now I think they're going to they're going to really try to run the ball. I think Garrett Green's going to start at quarterback for them, who's more yeah. of a dual threat. Mm -hmm. So to your point, yeah, Drew Aller is a much more of a statuesque pack pocket passer just like Kerry Collins was. Um you're going to have to protect him. Uh, that was probably the the makings right then of the best offensive line Penn State has ever yeah. had. That they never get as much credit as they deserve for the entire offense's success. Can you uh, name the starting five on the 94 <laughs> offensive line, Dave, or no? Yes. I can um, name a Bucky, couple of them. Bucky Greeley at center. Good. Marco Rivera at one guard. Good player. Um, um, let's see. Um, uh, Keith Conlon at one tackle. He he goes by Goon now, Dave. He goes. Yeah, by I don't Goon. remember if he used that name. Andre Johnson at the other tackle. Yeah. And um, oh my God, I'm. What's the other guard? The Steeler. In the NFL. The Steeler uh, at the other guard. Harding. Jeff Harding. Jeff Harding's. He's the best best one of the whole time. The yeah. whole bunch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a memorable group, offense. Man. Huh? That's a pretty good group. That's a really good offensive. Well, he had two line. offensive tackles playing fullback, and another offensive tackle <laughs> playing tight end in, in uh, Kyle Brady. And Rivera played with the Packers forever, and Harding played with the Steelers forever. Yeah. I think they both played what eight, nine, ten seasons in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, everybody else got a cup of coffee in the NFL, and they were just really good together. Yeah. Um, if if that if this line is half as good as that line, and I think it's going to have to be because Aller's not yes. terribly mobile like Collins wasn't, mm -hmm. um, they're going to be really good. We'll see. Yeah. I think the one thing that's different uh, between that team and you talking about Kerry not being the most mobile guy is, <clears throat> you know, pen, passing games now are, are just a little bit different than they were back then. And you don't see the quarterback holding on to the ball very long, even if he can't move. The, the, the passes are usually out quick uh, to the perimeter, across the middle. He, can, he will hang in there and throw a couple deep ones. But it's just got – Dave, it's gotten really, really hard to sack a quarterback. You just don't see it anymore because you don't see the guy go under center and take seven steps, drop back, and throw it. I mean, it's – you're right. <laughs> 
You just don't. I mean, but that's why you never see anyone with double-digit sacks the, the, anymore. The passing game, first of all, the passing game was so unsophisticated compared <laughs> to now. I mean, I remember Earl Bruce at Ohio State. Actually, they actually coached Arch Leister to fake one way. And then as he was retreating your seven steps, yeah. turning all the way around. I mean, what what are you doing? So he couldn't see anything for about three or four steps. The yeah. other thing that's really hard to do now is is defensive pass rushers, be they stand-up defensive ends or linebackers yeah. on the outside or just bull rushing defensive ends. They are hard to to block, pass block now. And I think the the art of pass blocking for offensive tackles has kind mm-hmm. of been lost. I mean, it's first of all, it's much harder because they line up way outside now. Uh, that's been figured out. Uh, mm-hmm. They didn't used to do that back in the old days. The defensive ends had giant shoulder pads, and they weren't nearly as quick, and they, they just tried to battle it out. Now they line up way outside, and it takes a long-limbed, very quick-footed, mm-hmm. but big – offensive tackle to pull that off it's not an easy thing to do and they just don't even count on tackles to be able to hold their blocks that long anymore they, that's they why they go so early in the ball. draft when they're good you'll usually see a half dozen of them go in the first round and Penn State's got one of them this they year. sure do I mean that kid Fashanu is is he's got all that package you you not only have to be really quick down low aside from being huge got to be really quick down low, be able to move laterally and keep your center of balance while at the same time tying up a guy with these huge, long arms. And that's the main difference between an offensive tackle, especially a blindside tackle, and a guard. And it's it's a tough mix of qualities to find. And once you got a guy like Fashanu, man, it's really, really important. Dave, so I I think you and I were in alignment a couple of years ago, and even early last year. Um, even look, even though he looks imposing, Caden Wallace just struggled um, in in pass protection. I remember some games, the Michigan game in 2021, where those defensive ends. It was him and Rasheed Walker both struggled against those those stud defensive ends, um, Ajabu and uh, Aiden Hutchinson. But he even last year there were moments before he got hurt where I just wasn't sure if he had the feet to, to, to really block some good players. Now, I don't know how good or West Virginia's pass rush is, but James is talking about Caden differently than he ever has. And he's not, he doesn't usually blow smoke when he does that, but I'm curious to watch Caden Wallace early in the season. Cause I think he's going to be the starter at right tackle with Shelton being the swing tackle. And I was just trying to get your thoughts on what, if you, can you conceive a, a much improved Caden Wallace because he's always had the talent. And if he is, if he has taken a step forward, I think that's very meaningful, not only for the offensive line and the running game, but also for Drew Aller. Now I can't, I've got to remember the kid that, that, that was just a disaster in 2015. And he was, he was Palmer. Paris Palmer. There we go. Yeah. Nice kid, but he just wasn't ready. Yeah, and and he he became acceptable in 2016. He did, he did, he got better. So and he uh, he he worked at it. He was a JUCO, um, probably not ready for that. And that was a good, really good Temple defense that I think we yeah. were slept on him a little bit. But yeah, he did get better, and I think it isn't. But this was so. Caden was one of the hi- highest uh, highest rated kids. In yeah, the, there's some parallels there, right? What's that? 
there's some parallels between these two kids if what you say is true i i think so only i only in terms of improvement a big man improving and the way that james has talked about him consistently uh he must be very very pleased with uh what what steps he's taken this year i'm just anxious to see it maybe maybe we won't see a ton of it um saturday but at illinois in week three i think we're going to learn a lot more about how much he's improved. Well, for them to put Drew Shelton on the second unit, as you believe that's that's going to happen. I think he's going to be their swing tackle to start the year. I believe because that. he's more comfortable as a left tackle. He anyway. can play both. I don't think Caden could play left tackle, um, and I do think that uh, you know I think I think that that's why I think Caden Wallace's development is real because I think they liked Drew at the end of last year and this year. And if he had not taken a step forward, I don't think that they, they don't usually hesitate to to pull the trigger on on a new starter. Yeah, I heard Drew Shelton was a little more comfortable at left tackle anyway. Yeah, but he wasn't really crazy about right. Yeah, tackle. James did say, James said on Tuesday that he thought he actually made some strides in August at right tackle. But I just I think Caden Wallace could be a story this year that's that's kind of worth following because there were some there were some moments um, in 2021 and early last year where I was like, boy, I just don't know what he's going to do. But also, Dave, Rasheed Walker, um, is he made the Packers, and I think he's going to start. He, uh, he's gotten healthy, and he looks like the player he was in 2019. So it's kind of, it's kind of like a renaissance for the 2021 uh, Penn State offensive tackles. I think they both are having great moments. Have you watched by any chance the Florida Netflix thing with Urban Meyer? Yes. And all that? Yeah, yeah. I saw, <laughs> I saw Trotwell's jersey in the background on that one. <laughs> Yeah, there's that, but there's also the fact that there are a couple guys on that program. I, I haven't gotten to the point where it gets crazy. Yeah. Uh, but um, where they realize around 2006, this is my chance, and I got to get serious. Yeah. I have to get serious because this is my chance to support my family. Um, and maybe that dawns on – I'm not saying that that's exactly what's going on with Caden Wallace, but yeah. – through one method or another, sometimes there's an epiphany with these kids and they understand this is it for me. And they get, they get serious. We, we all have in different aspects of light life. If I could trans translate this to the other side of the ball, what I was talking about is as Neil Brown starting to, he really has no choice because he lost like 80% of his production with his wideouts. Um, he's going to be starting a new quarterback. Well, kind of new. Uh, Garrett Green um, is is a very slippery kind of Trace McSorley quarterback. But but the difference is he's got a really established offensive line. Everybody on their yeah. offensive line has started, mm-hmm. and they got a kid named Donaldson who's a converted tight end who's a big back uh, that they put in there, and they are going to test. Yeah, uh, which I, I think is another question about this yeah. uh, this team. Their defensive interior, yep, and they're they're going to run in between the tackles and see if they can uh, Penn State can stand up. This certainly won't be the sternest test that Penn State has in that way all season, but it will be a test. And I think you can count on Neil Brown, who calls all the plays, yeah, uh, uh, testing them out in the middle in the middle because this is a, this is the one strength on offense that he has. Yeah, that center must be pretty good, uh, Frazier. Uh, and, yeah, I, I'm, Frazier. and I just – I think it's a really – the defensive tackles who – Penn State, they feel like they're better than they were uh, during the during the low point of last year when the Michigan game and some – but um, 
they they feel pretty good about their depth. Um, Got a lot of guys. They do have a lot of guys, and they don't have a 320-pound guy, but they have uh, they have a bunch of guys in the 290, 300-pound range. And not, I, not a lot of not a lot of fat kids. I think uh, I think remember that. Let's not leave them out on the field too long to get tired. Let's play. Let's play five or six of them. Four or five, yeah. Um, but it is. Remember Paterno saying that. Remember that? Paterno saying that about Temple. Yeah, I don't have a lot of fat kids. <laughs> like the, meaning, like they usually do. He was talking about their tackles. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so what are we talking about? Is there Durant, Ellie's, uh, yeah. and Beeman are the the main four? Is that the way you see uh, it? Kaziah Izzard and this JUCO. Uh, he's a redhead. Uh, he's probably their strongest player. Jordan Vandenberg has, has won a spot in the rotation, and Franklin said he's very much improved. I just think they need they need guys that have quick feet, and they're not going to get knocked over. They're not going to get bowled backwards because I think that that could be a problem even against a team like West Virginia. Because the, hey, the game's going to be six or seven plays less now, and I think that. Uh, you know, Neil Brown is fighting for his job. I mean, at the very least, he needs to try and keep this thing close. He really does. If it gets ugly, I don't know if he, I don't know how long he's going to last this year. No, this is his fifth season. Some people are surprised he's still around. But it, West Virginia really is at a crossroads. This is the type of program where a lot of people in, who are smart about the business envision a, a, a top tier of college football, maybe like the Champions League in soccer, yeah, yeah. where they, they retain their membership within their leagues, but are invited to an upper tier. And, and man, I can't see West Virginia ever making that. They're, that the, the division point is between, <clears throat> between a program like Penn State and one like West Virginia. They got fiscal problems out the, out the ass that have nothing to do even with football. Their enrollment's way down. They're bleeding people in the state like crazy. And they're in this conference that stretches all the way out to the <laughs> mountain time zone and, and maybe wider. Who knows? I mean, it, you go from West Virginia to Arizona in a conference that's mm -hmm. they they're they're It's going to be awfully tough to recruit. Neil Brown hasn't done a very good job, but they, no one at West Virginia has done a great job recruiting in a long time. And they're one of the weakest teams in any of the power conferences. Forget, um, forget like uh, the the top top tier man. They're just hanging on at the bottom. Um, so I really I I really wonder if they could attract anybody else. If they hire if they fired Neil Brown, who could they attract above say a, a Ryan Walters at Purdue? That's what that's what you're talking about. Just getting a guy that's never yeah. coached before. And trying to plug him in there and see what happens. Yeah, and then, uh, Dave, there's also the NIL component. Like, who, yeah. who's who's going to be throwing? Who's ready? They don't, to have any, they don't have any sugar daddies. They don't have any tech or or service economy yeah. sugar daddies. They just don't. West Virginia is kind of stuck in the 1950s economically in every way. They hitch their their wagon to coal and steel and. That's all they that's that's all they've been known for. I don't know what the answer is, but it's going to be really tough to make that program work in the future for all the reasons we're talking about. Yeah. So that's what I wrote about a few days ago is that the last time they played West Virginia, so much was different in yeah. the landscape of college football. Having having said everything 
that we just did for the last couple of minutes. I will still say that uh, that 2007 Penn, uh, West Virginia team oh. was one of my favorite offenses. So Steve Slayton, Pat White, yeah, Pat White, Slayton. All they had to do was beat Pitt and Shady. Shady ran like 38 times for 150 yards, and I think which, Matt, which bar Matt, were you? I know you remember where you were. Which bar were you at when you? No, watched? I was actually at I was at Laurel Racetrack. Uh, <laughs> watching like the first half of the game and no one could score. It was like, could, could you believe what you were seeing? It was really cold. Nine that or 13 yeah. to tw- it was 13 to nine. 13 score. to nine. Yeah. And uh, I, I was stunned because this potent offense, they just, uh, they just couldn't do very much against Pitt. And Pat White was beat up. Pat White was beat up. Sure. Yeah. I think, I think they missed some field goals, but the, I mean, if they, they couldn't even score 17 points. Like that the, was a bad pit team. Was, I mean, what, what were they? Four and seven. I think that was a Wanstead team too. I think. Yeah, it was. It was Wani, and and he just he just ran Lashawn McCoy thirty eight times, I think, and shortened the game. And their defense played the game of their lives. But it was it was at West Virginia, and they had a national championship game set up right yep. in front of them. Yeah, right in front of them. If they win that game. It's it's odds on that they play Ohio State and not Florida, uh, but but it devolved after that. Wait, uh, so LSU was, LSU was in the picture know, after that. Was was the was the OSU Florida game and that was in two thousand seven? Oh, it's, it would have been them and not LSU, right? Was yeah, LSU I think that's, once? I think that's right. the one, right? right. I, that was the 07. year before. Yeah, 07. Ohio State played in back to back. Uh, BCS championship games. The first one is against Florida. The second one is against LSU. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. All right. Well, well, uh, yeah. That West was Virginia was headed for that. I know. That was I the was... last gasp for that. Rich program. Rodriguez. It yeah. was just. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's really the last time I can really, really remember them being, you know, someone to be feared. I would say, and that's not just not. It's the opposite of that now, Dave. What do you think? Uh, first of all, before we get to the scores. I just wanted to touch real quickly on you did you did in a very expansive, thoroughly and well done uh, look at the the Big Ten. Sixty two hundred words. <laughs> I think it was a record. <laughs> um, but you know you had some interesting things to say about every team, but you did have Penn State uh, number one in the Big Ten East. Um, for fans that have not read that yet, please check it out on Penn Live. But uh, maybe just go through some of the points that sold you on maybe Penn State emerging uh, in a very in a very that those those three teams are all very talented and they have not been very good against Ohio State and Michigan. So what led you to that? I got them tied actually, but I have Penn State winning the tiebreaker, yep. and I've sure. got Penn State, believe it or not, beating both Ohio State and Michigan, and then losing a couple of games somewhere else so that everyone finishes 10 and two and seven and two, because I think both of those other teams are flawed and here are my flaws. Um, You know, as I was looking for a reason, everyone's looking for a reason to pick Michigan because they seem to have everything set up. Do they not? I mean, you've looked at them. They, they do have a good team, but it just seems like, it just seems like, I don't know. There, something's always crazy is going in Ann Arbor on a weekly basis, and it's just, it's just, you just wonder about. Did you see Harbaugh on Monday? 
<laughs> yeah, I did see that. I do know that his dad's coaching the team the first three games. Um, <laughs> I, I just, uh, you know, and uh, uh, Dave, I mean, look, you, <laughs> it is set up, but it was set up for them to beat TCU last year in the semi. There you go. There you go. There you go. And you I mean, had you up. seen a game where a team pissed a game away worse than that? Really? It's pretty bad. It was pretty bad. And I just, it is. You know, they've been there. This is they feel strongly that it's his most talented team. And, and I don't doubt that. But it's just it's really hard to stack seasons like that with Ohio State uh, as your rival. But also with Penn State, I think this is just easily James's most talented team, too. So I think it's going to be fascinating watching, you know, the Penn State, Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, Ohio State, Michigan games. And then Ohio State plays Notre Dame. You know, it's just there, there. There's just some really compelling games that are going to shape this thing, and it's going to be. I think it's going to be a great finish. I don't see. I don't see one team being clearly superior. Right. I don't either. I don't either. I could see Penn State going uh, eleven and one, eight and one, and everyone losing a league game. Yeah. And and I I could see. I can certainly see. Ohio State losing twice. Uh, I'm sure you you watch the Navy game with Notre Dame, Oof. and I don't know, really don't know what that's worth because Navy was bad, really I bad. Mean, how do why do why do they fire their prior coach? I can't understand. Ah, uh, yeah, there, it was yeah. He had been there a long time. It just yeah. made you wonder if maybe there was something else going on. I don't I don't know, but but this is the reason I picked Penn State. This is the the main reason. First, I think Ohio State really kind of got knocked sideways against Michigan, and I don't think they have an answer for Michigan's power offense yet. And they got to go. Think Jim Knowles is the right coordinator for that program. He's an Oklahoma State guy who's right. played against different defenses, and he's all about shooting gaps and taking risks. He's something like Manny Diaz that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he has not been able to stand up to the power of Michigan. For that matter, neither is Penn State. <laughs> and they got bullied last year. Yeah. And that's what everyone's looking for. Can anyone stand up to Michigan's power attack? Here's the other thing. Once Harbaugh gets something working, especially something he likes like this, yeah. where he can be Bo Schembechler because that's all he really wants to be is his mentor Bo, <laughs> he's not going to divert from that. Yeah. You know exactly what he's going to do. Yep. And and he's going to do what's worked last year. So you know exactly what you're working with. Here's the other thing. And I don't know if you noticed this or not, because it's kind of the dog days of summer. And I dug this up about uh, right before. About I the rankings, whenever they're ranked really highly. Yeah, yeah. Did, did that shock you? It did shock me a little bit, but then I started to think about it. And there's yeah. been some really good Michigan teams that have not gotten the job done. Right. Well, the 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 stat is this. I went back 40 years. 43 all the way to 1980 and made 1980 the starting point and i knew in my head that this was true that every time a michigan team is really hyped they fall on their faces you're right every single time and i i couldn't remember a time where it wasn't true so i just looked at the numbers 43 seasons in that time they have been ranked in the august preseason ap poll in the top five ten times Fans, how many times, if you haven't heard this stat yet, do you think they finished in the top five in the final January AP poll? Here's, it's like Woody Hayes. Nothing. It's nothing. The 97 team kind of snuck up on people, even though they were really good, but they were not expected to be that good. Is that correct? And, and, 
last year. Yep. No one expected him to beat Ohio State except for me. I yeah. picked Michigan because <laughs> Dave, 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 Michigan is not going to go in the in the horseshoe and and beat Ohio State. Okay, <laughs> yeah, our friend Mike Kern. Um, but but I knew they had the secret sauce to beat Ohio State, and they haven't. They I don't think they figured it out yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the kryptonite for Ohio State. So the question is, can Penn State beat Ohio State on the road? I think they can this year. I've got this. I think they've got the stuff to do it because I don't think Jim Knowles has yeah. that defense where it needs to be. Penn State scored what thirty-one points on them last year. Right. Uh, this could be a better offense. We'll see. Uh, and. I think they have the defense to to hold Ohio State. So then what would come down to, what is that, week uh, 11 at home against Michigan? Um, so that'll be, the, that'll be the big test. I'm just counting on the fact that Harbaugh is so intractable when he's gotten something to work, that that'll work in the advantage of what I think are two pretty good coordinators in Mike Yurcich and Manny yeah. Diaz, who are really running this team, and especially Manny Diaz. Mm-hmm. If his interior defense, especially um, his strong safety, his, his defensive tackles, can can stuff everybody's run, then he gets you off schedule. That's yep. when he really has fun with you. And this defense, he's got every stinking tool he could ask for in his toolbox. So, mm-hmm. you know, predictions are they, sometimes they're moot by week three because somebody gets hurt. Yeah, but but. J.G. McCarthy is another thing. In that TCU game, was there a team more made to order for Michigan than Texas yeah. Christian? I mean, they should have beaten that team by three touchdowns. And they would have if J.J. McCarthy doesn't throw two pick sixes and Sharon Moore and Jim Harbaugh don't put a full a, a former linebacker in the game at first and goal in the one and, he, and give him the ball and he fumbles. I mean – this is the kind of time, kind of stuff. What are you doing? What are you doing? That didn't you just? Did you know who that kid was? I mean, he carried the ball twelve times all year, and you're going to put him in that situation. Why? I. This is the kind of stuff they do when they're, especially when they're favored. It's going to be a. I think it's going to be a pretty interesting uh, Penn State season, a pretty interesting Big Ten season, especially in the Big Ten East. It's the last year for the divisions. There's like some expansion on the horizon, but Dave, I gotta before we go, I gotta ask you for uh, for your actual prediction for Saturday night. When's the last time West Virginia played a, a, in front of a crowd like this, this big in prime? Let's see. Uh, it has to have been like a hundred thousand plus. It has to have been a while. Yeah, well, they you know they play in the the Big Twelve, which you know up until now, up until care. next year is going to be some some pretty some pretty outstanding crowds. <laughs> yeah, I mean your points well taken. They don't uh they don't fill up that field as much as they used to. That's the other thing. Those people don't spend money because they don't have money on paraphernalia <laughs> and stuff. West Virginia was a, at the bottom of the revenue figures. Yeah. That I did. Yeah. Um where is there I can't I can't find the I can't find the crowds in this thing anyway. Your point is well taken. That's going to be uh, an atmosphere they're not used to. Although they did go into Oklahoma State last year and won. Um, they won at Virginia Tech. Those are not not great programs. At least Virginia Tech wasn't anymore. But they were a seven-point dog and won the final game at Oklahoma State. 
uh, last year. They've, they've seen hostile environments, uh, just not like this one on a, on a whiteout night. Yeah. Yeah. One quick Michael Robinson story before we get out. Uh, I just, I'll always, I, I got the chance to talk to him at Big Ten Media Days. He's super excited. Uh, but I just, just covering him, um, the guy bided his time to, to, to be the guy in 2005. And, you know, I always remember, <clears throat> you know, the Northwestern rally was great, but that was a, that was an ugly game. The, how he played so heroically at Michigan led that team on this unbelievable drive to take control of the game late. That should have been the game. And they yeah. just they just messed it up uh, on a really quick drive in that Chad Hetty <laughs> touchdown. But he was a guy that never shrunk from the moment, man. Tough guy, very tough competitor, and I just always enjoyed watching him play. Do you, do you remember how pissed off they were the next week at Illinois? Was that 56 to 10, 56 60, to 3? 63 to 3 yeah. or something, yeah. Yeah, it was that bad, that bad Ron Zook, Illinois team before he got it going. Yeah, uh, yeah he was a, a very boy. They could use somebody like that this year. Can you imagine that running game with with these backs and Michael Robinson? My God. It yeah, was, I mean, Michael was pretty much I mean, he, he could throw the ball. But he when he when he decided to run it, he was like a power back. Uh, if they in, had third and four. Yeah. It was done. Or lethal in short yardage. That yeah. was a big yeah. game. It, it, he, they totally would like run it. with him. And yeah. you're right about that final drive at Michigan. Uh, Talking about pissing a game away. I mean, Joe just that, – that was not a very good Michigan team in 05. Uh, they should have beaten that team by two or three touchdowns, and they just kind of gummed it to death. And the next thing you know, they need a touchdown to go ahead. Mm-hmm. And uh, then uh, we got the, the – the <laughs> two seconds. Two seconds, Bob. Two Mario, seconds. It was fourth and goal from the 10. Mario Manningham and Chad. One second ago. Yeah, one second ago. Yeah. Anyway, Manningham from from uh, Chad Henney, right? Yeah. yeah. Do you uh, do you have a score for me, uh, kind I, sir? I'm not, I don't expect. Um, I, if, if, in fact, I thought of the South Florida game, uh, in comparison to this one. I think it's kind of being that was was it the 23-13, the first game of the 05 season against no, South Florida. No, they, they opened. They actually opened with uh, they they opened with Central Florida. And they, they got up big, but the final score was, I think, 34-27. But it was like 34-17 with five minutes to go. They played Then they played the other Florida later in the uh, non-conference schedule, and it was, a, it was a real grind. Yeah, I think it's going to be that kind of game because I don't think Drew Aller has, is going to have his feet under him yet. They're going to play close to the vest and just try to gum it to death. So I'm going to say 28-13 to Penn State. All right, you got, you got the Mounties covering. 28 to 13. I didn't even know what the spread was. What What is it? 20 and a half. Okay. Yeah, I got him covering. Yeah, I, I said 38-10 Penn State. I just don't know. I just think Penn State's so deep. I think that in the, in the second half, they could wear this team down. And I do agree with you about Neil Brown just trying to keep it close and running the ball. But, you know, there's only so much you can do when you don't have a lot of blue chip talent on that side of the ball. Yeah, they don't have any firepower anymore. Like, all these guys just yeah. left. And if they if they make any mistakes at all, it's going to be a runaway. So we'll see. Uh, I think Penn State fans will be happy, but the the real good stuff is 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 a couple. You know, the Illinois game, yeah. Iowa game, and then the then the big games. But they've got some time to kind of get better. So we'll see. All right, Davo, good talking to you. I'll see you Saturday night in uh, at Beaver Stadium, and looking forward to seeing how this thing plays out. Cause this is, this should be a really talented team. Should be a very, very interesting season with, I think a lot of twists and turns. Adios.